All right. Here we go. Quiet. Hello and welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and put them all into some sort of context. Seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online, Editor-in-Chief, Rich Drees. And seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online, Contributing Editor, Natasha Bogutsky. How's it going, Natasha? Yeah, it's not too shabby yourself. It's it's going pretty good. It is uh, officially spooky season, isn't it now? It's, yes, it as is. As we are recording on a, sa- a Sunday evening, and um, it's starting to uh, become a nice crisp fall air here in uh, our uh, home of northeastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah, it, it literally dropped like 20 degrees in like the space of three days. You think? I've been using, I've, I've started wearing <laughs> flannel pajamas to bed and I have comforter on the sofa. Yipes. Yeah, it's mm. not fun. No. No, I'm I'm really trying. I have like a, a personal rule that we don't turn the heat on in my apartment until after New York Comic Con, which is <laughs> this coming weekend. And you failed, didn't you? Uh, I, I came really close once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eh, it's only 69 degrees. It's only 68 degrees. I could just throw on an extra sweater here or something. So, <laughs> so yes. Um, but busy week. Is it a busy week? I don't know. I would say so. Um, we've had a lot going on recently. There's mm-hmm. been movies and plays and <laughs> more movies and more movies and more movies. And we're pretty much starting to get into the season of award season. Yes. Things are starting to drop everywhere. Not just movies, but TV mm-hmm. shows, too. I, I'm getting screening invites. I have. I literally, if I felt like driving down to Philly every night this week, this coming week, I could. At least Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only going down Tuesday because, <laughs> um, as I said before, I've got New York Comic Con coming up uh, this uh, this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Don't let his um, complaining get you down. Secretly, Valacarinisi. And if you speak high Valerian, you know what I just said. <laughs> and well, you're you're tipping your hand about what we're going to talk about later on. But uh, I'm, I'm not, sure if you looked at the headline, you know it. Yeah, well, yeah. If you looked at the episode <laughs> title, you know, I'll probably have it in there somehow. But I'm not complaining. No. I'm not complaining. You know, having to watch a bunch. You will of good be in movies. a week and a half when you're exhausted. Well, yeah. <laughs> a week and a half when I'm exhausted and I have like four minutes to turn around and get ready for the Philadelphia Film Fest for the last 10 days of the month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Um, <laughs> nerd, word, nerd world problems, though. Mm. Yes, you're just looking at me like... Well, also jerk. recording our uh, a play that I'm in. Yeah. God um, love you. <laughs> I don't know how I'm doing all of this, honestly. <laughs> you're not sleeping. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty certain he uh, he After works all. just on cocaine and caffeine. <laughs> After All Saints Day, just you know, I'm gonna go into a slight coma and I'll see no, you no, around no, Thanksgiving. No, 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 no. Yes. You'll go. You'll go into the coma right around the Epiphany. <laughs> because you're gonna be going until the end of the year when award season 
is technically over and then the awards actually start happening. Oh, I know. I know. I, I'm probably going to have everything that I need to see for the year by early December. What's that like? Uh, <laughs> I this don't know. year this, I am not doing all that well, ladies and gentlemen. This, this is my first. Well, this is my first year in the um, Philadelphia Film uh, Critics Circle. Yes, and that means congratulations on that. Thank you again. I always appreciate that. Um, well, you earned it. Twenty years in this business, and <laughs> yes, you earned it. That's very kind of you. Um, but we have, you know, our uh, group voting, you know, best of the year for the year end, and we do that at some point in December. So I, I need to see everything, and there's probably going to be a couple of special screenings for us uh, ahead of time for certain things, possibly. Nice. <laughs> I mean... I, I know which one is still taking the cake from my best of the year so far. And yes, I know we still have a ton of movies that need to come mm -hmm. out, but uh, only I've only given one movie five stars this year. Everything, everywhere, all at once? Correct. Mm -hmm. That's still a big contender for me. Yeah, it's literally the best movie mm -hmm. I've seen all that year. That and RRR are still like my front runners for RRR, the um, uh, Indian action film that came That's out. That's right, I remember uh, that. Back in February, I thought it March. It's, on, it's on Netflix now. Sorry, when I hear triple acronyms, it just never <laughs> goes right in my mind. I mean, you've got KKK, you've got triple X. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> so whoa, whoa, triple whoa. R makes me go, wait, what? <laughs> triple X? Are you like down on? I that? mean, even. Triple A doesn't sound all that great. Well, <laughs> they're, they're they're great if you get a flat tire. <laughs> but are are you down on Triple X because it's just a crappy movie? No, or, I just or mean the rating. I'm talking about the rating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, this is a usually it doesn't have a good story, <laughs> and that's what we watch it for. <laughs> Hey, sometimes I like a good story. Look at Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> okay. If we're going to sidetrack into porn chic here for a moment. <laughs> do you honestly believe that that's a good story for in Debbie Does Dallas? No, it's not a good story, but it's better than half of the other ones I see. Hi, I'm here to bring you a pizza. Please. I brought the pepperoni flop. <laughs> um, the milkman? Come on. Yeah, I know. The, 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 At least they try. Yes. I give them credit for trying. Mm. I mean, even Caligula, sure. when we think about it, is pretty much an outright porn film. But... Mm. Well, it's produced the by Bob Guccione, publisher of Penthouse. Yeah, and Dino De Laurentiis. So it's like, it's like this interesting creation, this hybrid. Mm -hmm. and oh, it, has, it does have a decent story yeah I'll, i will grant you that and i think we're just letting on how much porn we've actually watched uh, <laughs> oh boy I mean, are not... you guys in for a long night no oh geez <laughs> maybe a bumpy one too uh, hey -oh. <laughs> but um anyways if you're interested more in the porn chic era i would suggest have you seen boogie nights uh, no, actually, I've been meaning to, but I haven't gotten I around like to that yet. I, I think you would uh, find that interesting. I probably would, not just from the porn angle. I no, I, I know who the book. cast yeah. is, and I've Rachel heard it's a, a great. Is in this, yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, a few others. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've heard it's. I've heard it's a really good film. I just haven't gotten around to it. Granted, I every now and then I'm trying to pick up on things that I have 
never seen. Obviously, when you walked in, I was just sitting down to watch Ally McBeal for the first time after trying the first two episodes of Seinfeld and feeling like it would just what either wasn't for me or I just needed to be in the right mood for it. I think for Seinfeld, um, you kind of have to be in the right mindset for it. And I, I um, was And you have to understand, well, first of all, you know, those first couple of episodes, that whole first season, which is only like, what, six episodes or something like that, is not that great. Um, I mean, you can say, sort of see the bare bones of what the show is going to be. I, I can sort of see it, but I'm just but it's like, kinda... like that waitress. She's gone. Yeah, <laughs> she's gone. After I, I, I figure it's a shame because I kind of liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, the, the thing that I ha- I have an issue with hmm. and it doesn't happen all that often with shows that I watch because mm-hmm. I'm really good with references. Mm-hmm. But there was four references made in the first two episodes of Seinfeld at least four of them and I had to google them all the only one I got was Sophia Loren (laughs) when I have to start googling who the hell you're talking about what what did you have to google do you remember uh, the only one that I can think of off the top of my head right now is Lonnie Anderson I had no idea who the hell that was. Uh, wow. I this know. Is an age, uh, this is one of those w- rare times when I'm like really just, wow, this must be a total age thing. You know, it, and, and I know, you know it's my, WKRP in Cincinnati say, because of fucking my, Google. Uh, you know my love for WKRP in Cincinnati. That doesn't mean I've ever watched it. I, I've never seen an episode. I've never seen a scene from it. I don't know what it really is about. I just know that you love it, and I okay. don't want to be down on something that you love. Thank so you. I stayed away from it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know the stuff that you do love that I have seen I hate. <laughs> no, no. We we cross paths on some things and, and other things. Mm-hmm. I, I know that. Ways. Yeah, this was just one of those I didn't feel like I was going to get. Seinfeld, I was like, I'm going to finally give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd seen a couple scenes over the years. There were moments I thought were funny. There were other moments I thought were kind of cringy and just others. I was just like, this is not funny at all. Yeah. And there- But it's the references that are getting me because it's it does feel extremely dated, not just in its overall aesthetic because mm-hmm. – I don't have a problem with that. But what I have a problem with is when you settle yourself so much in the current zeitgeist, you are going to only endear yourself to the age group that is watching it at the time of airing. And it is not going to last, I think, for future generations. Um, because after a while, those references fall by the wayside. You don't get them anymore. Well, that's certainly the, um, the danger of comedy to begin with. That's always going to be an issue because, you know, comedy takes and, you know, oftentimes is addressing something that's current. You know, it chicken crossing the road, you know, that's that that feels like it's well, at some point we're not going to have roads or we're going to have genetically modified chickens. So this joke won't make any more sense. Oh, but, it but, recently uh, took on a new uh, connotation for me. I think I told you about it. No. Oh my god, really? What? I didn't tell no, you. No, 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 no. Okay, I I heard this somewhere. I forget where I heard it, but I had the I, my mind was blown. So, why does the chicken cross the road? What's the punchline? To get to the other side. What is the other side usually referring to? The other side of the road. No. When um, you hear the the phrase the other side, you're not thinking of a road. You think of afterlife. Oh. So, technically, this can be taken as a joke about a suicidal chicken. which is pretty much you at your day job yes well (laughs) suicidal yes 
Um, and and what do we call a, 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 the ghost of a chicken? I don't. I don't know. What do you call it? Poultry geist. Ah, oh, go away! <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you walked into that. Uh, <laughs> gross. Um, actually, I and there's also the 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 uh, Disney comedy, The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, with Don Knotts. So yes, I actually saw that at Barnes and Noble today on DVD at, on their Halloween stand. Uh, okay, as long as it wasn't in the Criterion section. That would have been hilarious. I, I would have I would have given up on Criterion right there and then. <laughs> like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> no, it was it was on their Halloween stand, which I thought was really funny because yeah. it was like right next to like Poltergeist and Reanimator and all of that. And I'm like, the ghost. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's because there's a ghost in it doesn't necessarily mean it should be on the same shelf as Poltergeist <laughs> or you know some of these other films. Um, but speaking of Criterion and Halloween, though, uh, have you checked out their lineup? Some of the um, the program groupings that they have this month. No, they have like eighties horror. Oh, and, nice. Um, I think there was a Universal Monsters one. Um, there's a bunch of there was a I, I bunch need, of great I need stuff to slip it. I need to Halloween slip into uh, their. Uh, I, I'm not going to complete that sentence by saying DMs, um, but I am going to complete it by saying slip into the, some of those categories if I can find the freaking time. Because, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm opening a, a play in like two and a half weeks. Peace. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my goddamn mind. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a party this weekend, which he's mm-hmm. sleepover. And I feel like I just have no time. So the fact that I got through in the last 24 hours, I was able to watch Hocus Pocus 2, mm-hmm. Knives Out, When Harry Met Sally, and then today I got through the first half of Blonde and the first two episodes of Seinfeld and the first two episodes of Ally McBeal. I feel like I'm on a roll. You have watched a lot more than me. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I did want to say, and I, we kind of drifted away from the topic before I could, the thing that I've been watching right now is, um, some old episodes of the 1990s, um, uh, news satire, Drop the Dead Donkey from the BBC, uh, created by Andy Hamilton. Uh, it's a very funny show about the behind the scenes, uh, nonsense that goes on at a, um, a cable news network in, in Britain. And the show, like, I think it went out on, like, a Wednesday evening. Mm -hmm. They taped it Wednesday afternoon, just, like, a couple of hours before air. And this way, they could have jokes about the actual news of the day in the show. So you would watch, you know, BBC World News Roundup or whatever they call it over there. (laughs) You get the news. And then an hour later, you're watching, you know, the characters on this show making jokes about what you just heard <laughs> on the news which i thought was very clever i mean yeah it's i mean obviously talk shows night late night talk shows the daily show things like that all tape that same day to be have that same kind, kind of, of timeline go after current events but yeah. this is really the only time you ever saw it in like a sitcom and it's very funny uh andy hamilton is like one of my favorite comedy writers from england and i just love the show and Every three or four or five years, I go back and I revisit like a season or two. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I will say that um, there are things that I am trying to catch up with and some I'm doing really well at, some I'm not. She-Hulk has kind of fallen by the wayside for me over the last three weeks. 
And I, I was actually thinking about it today. I was like, I should probably catch up on the last few episodes of She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try this show instead. <laughs> um, but I have not missed a single episode of Rings of Power or House of the Dragon. In fact, Rings of Power usually airs, uh, comes out on Friday. I don't get till until Saturday, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I never miss House of the Dragon while it's airing. I know. I know. And th- that's what's so funny because, you know, we've... As we said on our last episode, we wanted to definitely do a Rings of Power episode where we talked about Rings of Power and House of Dragon. And um, we're actually recording this a couple of hours before House of the Dragon airs. An hour and 20 minutes. Not that we're counting. I Um, am. (laughs) You kidding me? Of course I am. But we're, you know. So it's going to seem odd that we're not going to reference anything that happens in the most recent episode because this way we're only up through six episodes on each show. Uh, tonight is episode seven of House of the Dragon, and then this coming Friday is episode seven of Rings of Power. Awesome. Yes. Um, so um, let's dive right into it, shall we? I, I, I'm loving the fact that we have two high fantasy shows with some great production value. Oh god, yeah. That are based on very popular literary property that has some amazing world building in it where the mainstream literary property, i.e. Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones uh, were adapted uh, very well for the most part. Um People can have some quibbles with The Hobbit. People can have some quibbles with the last season of um, Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> but and, overall. Yeah. And and now we're kind of doing like a prequel to these things from different creators, not the same creators mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones or the Lord of the Lord Rings. Rings stuff. And they're both mining for their source material. From essays, right? In, in, in world essays and histories that were created by you know the primary creator of each franchise george rr R. martin J. or, or jrr R. R. Tolkien. tolkien who and, shares my birthday oh that's right yeah. that's right we, um, we capricorn babies <laughs> um so yes using those as our starting points how do you think each of these and and i will say that i think they're both going about their own stories very specifically differently. Um, How do you think both shows are kind of stacking up for you? I'm loving both of them equally. Um, Yes, I know token purists are having big issues with Rings of Power. But here's (laughs) the thing that I have always said, and Rings of Power is starting to prove me fucking right. Okay. The first four episodes of any new television show is about, the first two are about introducing your main characters. So Mm -hmm. the ones that you're going to be playing a close, really close eye on. Three and four usually introduces supporting characters tangential to the main ones that you're going to see a lot. The story doesn't get moving into a five or six. Calm the fuck down. It's all introduction (laughs) stuff. You don't really get the story moving until episode five or six. And Rings of Power proved me right on episode fucking six. I'm sorry. I saw it with mm -hmm. um, His Dark Materials a couple years ago. And I know that I spoke to you about this off air. Um, 
when we were watching it. Do you remember how I was just like, okay, we've, we're heading to the north in episode three, blah, blah, blah. Episode four, when they finally brought in Lim and Wells, um, Lee Scoresby, and finally introduced the polar bear York Bernison. That was the episode that finally said, okay, we've got the last of our tangential supporting characters in. Now we can start the plot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's kind of what I was seeing here. Oh, yeah, I would definitely say with uh, Rings of Power, uh, the first several episodes, you know, sometimes we don't even follow a certain storyline. We had like four storylines being established. Yeah. Some episodes we would go without... Elrond and uh, Durin. Some uh, wouldn't even have the the Harfoots at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I kind of like that because it was allowing. It wasn't like going okay. Well, we it's have an hour and eight minutes. Breathe. We have to have. We have to squeeze in at least a little bit of everybody. It's allowing more of these, uh, you know, different storylines their time to breathe. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll spend episode two or three. You know, just going. You know, half an hour with this person. 20 minutes and maybe 10 minutes on the third. And then that fourth storyline will hold over and we'll check in with them next week. Yeah, you know, I personally have no problem with that. I think that's fine. Um, I, I think that's a good way of letting everyone kind of have their due. Yeah. Everybody seemed to be like, I've, when the first two episodes dropped, they were all very, well, we, what's happened? They're just still setting stuff up. And I was like, you know what? Take a moment. Let them. Take a moment. This is going to be five seasons, about 50 hours of television. These first two hours and change, percentage-wise, over what this whole plan is, this is basically, if you were watching Lord of the Rings, the movies, theatrical cut, uh, and you only got as far as just at the end of Bilbo's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're only just setting stuff up. Why hasn't anything happened yet? That's that's the exact same amount of percentage of the overall thing. Oh, yeah. So So to me, it was like, guys... Calm down. You know, we've got we've got a ways to go and remember it's Tolkien, so it's always about the journey. Yeah. Um <laughs> at, at least it's not and he always has multiple endings too. So I hope they keep that going. Yeah, um, season five is just gonna be all endings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but over on the side of House of the Dragon, I mean, that's my hot and heavy Sunday nights. The House of the Dragon, <laughs> I will admit, hit the ground running. It did. It really did. It introduced who they needed to introduce. Um, and they were like, look, we we have the first five episodes to get you to really care about these characters, particularly while they're young. Because after episode five, we do a 10-year time jump and we're replacing half of them. Exactly. Which is a ballsy thing to do. It is. And it's, it's almost like a whole new pilot in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Kind of, so you're kind of getting used to these new actors taking over these roles and and, and trying to feel them out again and try to decide if you like them or not. Mm-hmm. And I will say too that in terms of scope, I think what Rings of Power is doing is far grander and far bigger. This is um, a lot of very, I don't want to say smaller in in size, but it's it's a smaller amount of people who are constant who are vying back and forth in with their political machinations which is so very inter- hit- which is very interesting because if um you don't know this but when you bought the box set for the first season of game of uh, first season of game of thrones when it came out from hbo mm-hmm. there was a family tree inside <laughs> of uh, with every character's picture under the person that you know is 
they're playing. Mm -hmm. So if you are having trouble remembering uh, the names of these people, you could go, okay, uh, look for the face, look for the face. Okay. And he's playing this person. And I'm not getting that same feeling with House of the Dragon. It's it's tight. It's tighter. It's more contained, which mm -hmm. is the same thing as tighter. Um, <laughs> whereas with Game of Thrones, it was like it was the biggest cast on television. Downton Abbey was right behind it. It had like 30 main characters, which is why on the opening of every episode, they would only list the names of the people who were in that fucking episode. Exactly. <laughs> and then, then the next smallest cast after that was the last three years of Saturday Night Live. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. We're not getting into that, no, by no. the way. Um, but no, I, I feel like. I feel like Rings of Power is sort of taking on that bigger cast of characters mm -hmm. and larger storylines that, yeah, it's going to take forever to get to the point. Bear with them. House of the Dragon, you can easily say, I love this, I'm in on this, because it is contained. Because it hits the ground running, and it doesn't give you any place to breathe. Whereas with if you're watching an episode and you really like the Harfoots and guess what? They're not in it for a whole episode. You're pissed off and walking away from your television going, that's it. I'm out. That Which which is short sighted. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunate because I think what they're they what we are starting to see, especially I, th I thought like season episode six. It was me, brilliant. was great. It was amazing. It, Everybody who was complaining about action, there were some great action things. In mm -hmm. that. Um, great action, and holy shit, I did not see that ending coming. Neither did I. Can we talk spoiler for a second? Um, let's hold back on that until like right towards the end. Ugh, fine. Sorry. Um, no, but I, I did want to address the um, the lore issue with this. Uh, there are a lot of very small little things that the average person probably is not going to catch. But are definitely very much about deep cuts into uh, Middle Earth lore. Uh, talking about the origin of orcs, certain characters, certain things that are mentioned that they might not have the full ability to talk about, like the Silmarils, things like that. But they could still kind of obliquely mention them. They they mention them and they give you enough understanding of what they are and why they're important without it being, you know, a whole season just based on that. True. They're they're cherry picking what they need in order to tell a story. And and with all due respect, anytime you do an adaptation of anything, you kind of have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I love Harry Potter and I loved Peeves, even though he's a dick and I would have loved to see him <laughs> show up in, in the movies. But he did nothing for the overall plot. And neither does Tom Bombadil. Okay, yes. Well, <laughs> every single adaptation of Lord of the Rings, uh, with the exception of the long-lost 1950s radio version. Um, <laughs> has oh, cut him, yeah. Has cut Tom Bombadil. Uh, he's out of the Ralph Batchy version. He's out of the two different other BBC radio versions. He's out of, you know, Peter Jackson's. He adds nothing. He uh, people will say, "Oh, but he he gives uh, uh, you know some that there are things bigger and stronger in Middle Earth." But it cheapens the actual importance of the ring and the quest that they are on, and the danger of the ring. Yes, exactly. 
So yes, um, but but I think here, you know, there's a lot of Tolkien. Tolkien sketched out a lot of this time period, but he didn't give a lot of details. So there's some pretty wide lines, I think, that the show can be coloring inside of. Mm-hmm. Some people are not happy with the choice of the color crayons that are being used. And that's fine. I can get that. You know, some that might be a case of, well, in my head canon, I didn't see it that way. That's okay. Uh, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I also, some people have complained that, well... By the time this might have been happening, this other thing should have happened. And if we're seeing this character, then all of this stuff should have happened that we haven't seen happen yet. I'm trying to be vague here. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at me like, what? And, no, no, um, no, it's fine. And, and I understand, too, that, you know, the, the main story of the capture of Sauron, dragging him off to Numenor it, as a prisoner, and then over 76 years... He slowly ingrains himself, ingratiates himself, says, oh, I'm better. I'm a nice guy now. Becomes a... Um, Obviously, they can't do that. That's a, Unless they time jump like House of the Dragon. Well, they... Yeah, exactly. Their and then you is, lose... Uh, you lose most of your cast because they're fucking human. Yes. Even, even Numenorians who live, you know, maybe about 200 years are still going to be like living and dying off, you know, every three episodes if you kind of do this. The whole, you know, all of the Third Age was about 3,300 years or so. The, the time period that they're doing the story, from the forging of the rings to the War of the Last Alliance, you know, where they defeat Isildur, defeats Sauron by cutting off the the ring off his hand. And Elendil's there, too. That's about a thousand years, if, if memory serves. So, and, and we already have, we already have Isildur. 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 Uh, Isildur. I, sorry, I have a cold, okay? <laughs> Isildur. And um, we already have a lot of these characters who are supposed to be at the end of the Third Age uh, around before any of this other stuff happens. Uh, so so the, there are complaints about the timeline. And I can understand people being upset about that, but I'm more of a, I'm more of a person where I'm like, well, let's wait and see. Let's see how they play this out. Um, and I say that as the person who was always my biggest complaint about Solo, a Star Wars story, was everything important about Han Solo happened on one weekend. And uh, <laughs> am I right? Uh, I mean, yeah. Okay. So, so I'm I I you know I want to kind of have a wait and see attitude towards that, but the things that they are kind of like adding in to the lore. I am loving. I'm praying to God it's not Gandalf. By the way, I'm hoping. Oh, the stranger. It, I'm hoping it's one of the blue wizards. I'm thinking it's a blue wizard as well. I'm. I really. I don't hope. think. I don't think they do a, as big a cannon break as having Gandalf arriving in the Second Age. Yeah, that's that. That's. that's that one might get more than a few eyebrows raised yeah. by everyone. Yeah, I would. I would not be happy with if that was a creative decision. Um, but I'm loving things like Durin and Elrond. I think their relationship and their chemistry. Oh, that's is brilliant! That's so like the fun. best part of the fucking show right then, now. What was it? Episode five with the table. Oh my! God. <laughs> I fucking love that. It I loved hilarious. it so much. It's, yeah, it was great because um, <gasps> you know, tell tell, tell Deesa the tables from me. <laughs> you push your luck, elf. <laughs> the, 
you know, because historically through all of, you know, Middle Earth history, elves and dwarves were kind of not the best of friends. So it's nice to see that. It's, it feels like, um, I don't know what you say. It's not a callback. It's not necessarily a foreshadowing, but it's a parallel to Legolas and Gimli. Gimli, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Which was, and, and, which is one of the best parts of Lord of the Rings as well. Mm-hmm. And I like that you kind of have that, um, yeah, that parallel going on because I think that's a relationship that you need. Yes. It, I feel like when you, when you add a, a man into the mix, like a relationship between a man and an elf, there's always more of a, a, a respect there. Uh, or there is a resentment there. There's never a playfulness to it. Yes. They're so serious. Yes. Elves are immortal, basically. Dwarves live a couple of hundred years, and then men live about 70. So the idea, you know, and in Tolkien, they go into great detail about how actually death is considered a gift to Mm -hmm. man. Uh, because they won't have this long-lived weariness to themselves, uh, away from being from from being away from the light of the of the Valinor, and all sorts of stuff. Um, and the show does hint at some of that too, which I like. But like I said, it's 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 there if you know it. If you don't, you're not gonna be scratching your head about it. Yeah, and I just I don't know. This I I like the idea that I can start my week. On watching, what is the rogue prince Damon Targaryen up to this week? What kind of <laughs> shit is he gonna fucking cause? Mm. Who's gonna get fucked? I, I love it. <laughs> and then at the end is of the he gonna w- get kicked out of and then walk back into right? twenty minutes later. <laughs> that's my, that's my beef with um, House of the Dragon right now. But we'll get to that. But go ahead. <laughs> but sorry. like that, that's kind of the point of this. I like starting my week on something that's really kind of lets me indulge in my deepest darkest desires for power for sex for (laughs) violence because i have all week to wish that i could and then friday i'm given a little bit of hope Mm -hmm. that things can get better by watching rings of power that good triumphs but that's also sort of like tolkien's thing though is um the theme of hope throughout his works and it's nice to see that it's being shown here mm-hmm. whether it's the uh the humans who are trying to flee the orcs um galadriel trying to um make middle earth a better place yeah. by ridding it of sauron i'm honest um Besides El, uh, Elrond and Durin's relationship, I'm sticking around right now because I'm in fucking love with Halbrand. Not in <laughs> love and love. Yeah. I'm, I'm. Yes, I may be shipping him in Galadriel, but no, it's it's <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not the only one out there hoping for it. By the way. Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> but no, actually, I I think his his story is. Very interesting, and I, I can't wait to see what's going on because obviously we saw that he knows Andar, uh, Adar, Adar, sorry, mm-hmm. Adar, and um, I want to know where he ran. And even when he says to the people who ask him, "Are you the king that was promised?" and he pauses and he says, "Yes," 
it was kind of a, there wasn't a responsibility behind it. It was almost kind of slightly snarky. And I was just like, <laughs> you're an asshole right now. I'm not liking you, but I love you. <laughs> I, I think there is a great relationship between him and Galadriel that mm-hmm. needs to be explored there. One of, um, of, um, as a compatriot and as a friend. And I think that down the road, if Halbron, there is a theory going around that he could end up being the Witch King of Agmar. I know Agmar is of the North. I get yes. it. But um, I like the idea that he would be tempted by one of the rings. I can see him being the fallible kind who will have a fall like that. Yeah. And one of the things that I I think would be horrible about it is if it does come out of this idea of doomed romance. Not that he feels that if he has that power, he can take her. No. I, I like the idea that he tries to prove himself by wanting to be seen as equal or worthy in her eyes. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that if he's able to do that, that she would love him back. But she doesn't, he doesn't, or, or even would help with the immortality thing. Um, we have not been introduced to her husband in this show. I don't think he's going to be coming in. There's a reason why he hasn't been mentioned. So I think that would be an interesting play for his story. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the Witch King of Angmar, but to have a fall like that. Um, I, I think that would play havoc with her. And in a different, a version of loss that would be completely different mm-hmm. from losing her brother. And the idea of an immortal um, forging a relationship. Not necessarily a romantic one in yeah. this case, but a a bond with that is a that human deep. That it, again is a recurring theme in Tolkien, not mm-hmm. just um, Aragorn, uh, but also uh, Baron and Luthien, uh, even Elrond's parents. Yes, Elrond's parents, Elrond's half elf. Um, His father is now a star. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's it's an idea that Tolkien went back to a couple of times. So if they were to do it again, I would have no problem with that because that feels mm-hmm. like it belongs here. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that respect, there may be a, a time where she thinks that uh, she sees him as almost like a brother and he sees her as more. That would be interesting, I mm-hmm. think, to play because I, I, I feel that elves always feel things more deeply because they have to last four centuries whereas with men it's always about the immediate gratification it's kind of we don't live as long so we can't drag it out (laughs) we have to jump Mm -hmm. at it we we jump by our emotions we are impulsive um and we also have another elf human relationship in this show too mm -hmm. so yeah which again you know it took them five episodes to kiss or so but I'm fine with that. I, you know, I'm. Yeah, but I like the idea of the, the parallel dichotomy here between mm-hmm. a relationship between a man and an elf that could last and one that could fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I like the idea that power is also involved in there. Galadriel is a very powerful elf. Halbrand is going to be a king. 
And then over on the other side, you have a, a foot soldier elf and a peasant girl. So I like the idea of what happens when power comes into play in these relationships. Mm-hmm. And I just like the fact that um, we're seeing relationships across a large strata of class Agreed. as well. Um, to be honest, that's House of the Dragon. It's all just lords and ladies uh, and knights for the most part. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, but like we said, because it's so contained. Um, and recent, up until recent, it's it hasn't been as emotionally... The Even though the first four or five episodes were... Um, they hit the ground running. They got the story moving. It's still all set up. Yeah. It, uh, well, doing that time jump, now the real work fucking begins. Th- that time jump felt like, okay, boom, now we have to set up again. Yeah. It, it, like it did? It felt like that? For me, yeah. I mean, but I, you I, said it's like a second pilot. It, it, it is a second pilot, but we're now seeing the ramifications of what those first four episodes did over 10 years to these characters yeah um i mean allison was just this very innocent naive kind of anxious if you want to talk about her picking at her fingers Mm -hmm. woman uh or girl when she married the king and now she's cersei lannister in the fucking making (laughs) she's very manipulative very um i'm loving her yes (laughs) rhaenyra um doesn't know how to play the game. I don't think she's ever figured it out. Mm-hmm. I think she kind of goes at the you know tune of her own drum or beat of her own drum. And here she's fucked over one too many people by just going after her own desires. And now she's got to have to deal with what consequences come out of that. True. Um. So I like the idea of Damon, who recently felt a great loss, mm-hmm. have to try to bring his family, both his children and his niece and his brother and all that, back together. Which, which is interesting about... And if anyone can play a game, he okay, can. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay, I think at this point we're going to have to start talking uh, a little spoilers. spoilers. Um, what's interesting about what happened with Damon in this last episode is... Broke my heart. Yeah, but at the same time, remember, his own brother had to face that same mm-hmm. choice, and he he, he chose was, not he to. He was glib. And no, Damon was glib about it. Oh yeah. And now suddenly the you know, the uh, boots on the other foot there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he but he doesn't take that choice away from her. Yeah, but but what's harder, giving her that choice or having to make that choice because they're not able to make that choice? I. I'm sorry, at the end of the day, I don't think you should ever take anyone's choice away from them. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but we, we saw that cesarean section in the uh, first episode, and she was terrified. Uh, I I think in that position, not your body, not your baby. And uh, And I like the idea that and, and I know this this got political for a second. Yeah, it did. I, but, I'm, I'm liking this though. But uh, Damon saw what it did to his brother, knowing that his wife and the baby he had to choose between his wife or his child, and there was no guarantee this time that the baby was going to live. So he pretty much 
walked in knowing my wife is dying regardless. Mm-hmm. I am not going to do to her what my brother did to his wife. Well, as a king, though, you sort of have this duty of like, well, we got to get the baby out there because that could be my heir. And that's, you know, that has to factor in, too, more so than what Damien had to deal with, unfortunately. I know. But um, also, that baby didn't survive either. But watching her, honest, I thought Lena Targaryen might have been one of the best characters that we have seen in the first five episodes. And we we follow her. We follow her as a child of 12, a woman of like 16 or 17, and then we jump. So she's almost... Mid-20s. Mid-20s, 20, late 20s, I Mid would say. Late, yeah. Yeah. And here she, you know, I don't know. There's just something about her. She was beautiful. Yeah. Not just physically beautiful she had a warmth she had an energy to her that was strong but caring understanding but determined and i loved her for it Mm -hmm. and i hate that we only got her for a grand total of maybe 15 20 minutes in that episode but she made her presence known and we saw from the beginning she's just like i claimed my dragon i didn't get one I claimed it. I took it. And by the end of it, you know, she had said that she wanted to die a dragon rider's death. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to be a simpering little girl. No. So when the baby, her birthing went wrong, she goes outside and barbecue. Yes. Herself. I will admit, I was very fucking impressed. Mm-hmm. And I respected her all the more for it. And it killed me watching Damon watch her do that. It, but if anyone understands that, I know a, he would. It, it revealed a more emotionally complex character mm-hmm. than I think in the first four or five episodes. It's just Damon's a dick. <laughs> and um, He's a dick, but we fucking love that he's a dick. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's one of those, oh, bad guys we love to hate. Yeah, to love. Uh, well, I that there was going to be emotional complexity when um, he had two bouts of impotence in certain sections of the first couple episodes Um, and always at moments that you he's always thinking of doing something horrible Hmm. so like the whole section in the first episode when he was being glib about the baby he couldn't screw a girl in a brothel and then when he takes Rhaenyra out on her you know, we're going to dress you as a peasant so you can see the outside world. Prince and the Pauper yeah. uh, trip. Her uh, her eye-opening adventure. He takes her into a brothel. And you could see, he's uh, he wants to fuck his niece. And yeah. I, oh, I was down for it. Oh, <laughs> it's the Targaryens, okay? They, that's how they kept the bloodlines pure. Um, how but, they don't all have webbed feet and are the, like, the Habsburgs of Westeros. I have no uh, idea. Not physical disabilities, but... There's a reason why the Mad King was, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, okay, okay. Yeah. And, um, no, I, I, he couldn't. And the reason why he was doing it was he was trying to taint her reputation. And I, I think he, that's the one person who he really understands mm-hmm. and understands him and accepts him for just who he is. Good, bad, and all the ugly parts in between. And 
knowing that he was going to be doing something that horrible to her, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I think those moments showed that he was definitely a lot more emotionally complex than we gave him credit for. And this last episode where we jumped 10 years and are now seeing him just kind of sitting in a library reading. Like, <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Yeah, time to mellow out a little. Yeah, and that's exactly um, what he did. He mellowed out. He's fine when you get him away from his fucking family. We're starting to see, like, the, the next generation of cousins starting to come into the story. Um, we're seeing them being warned about, hey, if, you know, you might, your life might be in danger mm-hmm. uh, if certain political things happen. We're seeing a little bit of, like, rivalry amongst the cousins and stuff like that. Are, do you think at some point we're probably going to get another time jump? No. No, but I do think we are going to be in all-out war over the next couple episodes. Because, come on, Viserys Targaryen is not lasting much longer. He's a walking corpse. <sighs> well, I'll be honest. I want to see another time jump just because I don't want to deal with like a bunch of 10 and 14-year-olds <laughs> in this story. I'd rather see them as you know younger men in their early 20s. And I think that's that allows for more dramatic uh, storytelling possibilities. Yes and no. I I like the idea of keeping them young because, like with Game of Thrones, we get to watch them grow into something greater. If we jump the ten years again, not only are you setting up pretty much a third pilot, um, you're going to make the characters that we are our main in the story supporting and you're going to be taking away watching that journey of how they get to how those kids get to that spot um i i think you can do that with your main characters but you can't do it with your supporting make them main and then take your main characters and push them down into the supporting it's just not going to work um also in westeros people grow up a lot younger like girls are married at 13 12 uh boys are are married and going off to war probably by the age 15 or 16 we've had multiple kings in game of thrones universe who are very very young look at joffrey and tomlin (laughs) um by the way that window has gone through enough yes (laughs) no more needs to be said that window has seen things (laughs) tomlin jumped out of that window Remember his swan died? Mm-hmm. His boom. And now yeah. David Tennant's yeah. son. Oi. Yeah. That's how we were introduced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have something to show you when we're no, off air. Oh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just a photo. Okay. Oh. <laughs> a meme. Okay. Uh, but no, I I I like that before the story was in Game of Thrones, it's very kind of patriarchal it's all about the men and here it's the same way but i think our vying for power is going to be between women Mm -hmm. i mean yeah we had that with you know our khaleesi and cersei lannister in the other game of thrones but it's it was the men all around them that were kind of let's keep you down let's keep you down um Whereas here, it, there's going to be flat out just 
between the two of them. And this is why we should be on video because I just slammed <laughs> my fists into each other. Um, oh yeah, they're 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 definitely going to lock horns. Yeah, and, and I like that because we're we're this is this is definitely a show that is setting up the idea of a patriarchy and how a woman a queen ruling could never ever be accepted mm-hmm. there was a great uh scene in i think like the second or third episode where you had um the valarian princess i can't remember her name and rhaenyra talking on the balcony you know what scene i'm talking yeah, about yeah. that was a great fucking scene mm-hmm. that was such a respectful talk about power and the patriarchy and how a woman could never be seen as a ruler that our battlefield is in childbirth that is how we keep it going um i i think the um the tragedy of the story is shaping up to be that these two friends ultimately are on opposite sides mm-hmm. that they now have to go through these Machiavellian machinations in order to keep their families alive. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, ensure that they stay safe. And they're kind of like a Cold War enemies with mm-hmm. each other. We're starting to see the the pieces on the board moving into place. We've had our first spill of blood. Mm-hmm. Oi. Not good, by the way. No. Um... And Viserys is not long for this world. I have a feeling either tonight's episode or next week's episode, he's a goner. Yeah. Who, and it's who's ever the first king is in a Game of Thrones show, <laughs> you're not going to last until the end of the season. <laughs> Sorry, Patty. I really liked you as Yeah, Viserys. I'm enjoying him. He's I... great in this. Oh. He's well, so good. Yeah, but I'm so used to seeing him in more comedic roles. So seeing him play this dramatic character by the way when he kicks the shit out of matt smith in like episode three or four (laughs) and had a knife to his throat Mm -hmm. i believed it (laughs) i believed it (laughs) but uh no i i'm really i'm really enjoying this i like the idea that these are the perfect bookends to my week the only thing that i'm i'm kind of bummed about is right now we have what four episodes of uh, House of the Dragon, because it's a 10-episode season, mm-hmm. right? But Rings of Power is an 8-episode season, so we are only got two more left. Um, so we can't quite, you know, do a wrap-up show for both of them. But I think at some point we definitely will revisit both of these series uh, as we're talking here. I-, I hope that they will always be airing, like, the same week. Mm-hmm. Like, that really... Amazon, HBO, if you're listening, please have these two shows going at the exact same time. One, it'll do great things for your ratings. You're not stealing ratings from each other. No. It's a a rising tide that's lifting all boats. Yeah, and I I do like that it kind of bookends, as I just said, bookends my week. Mm -hmm. It, It gives me something to always look forward to. Well, on that note, though, I think we're going to wrap this up for this week. You can find The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, on Amazon Prime. And you can find Game of Thrones, House of the Dragons, on HBO and HBO Max. 
Now, um, not sure when we're going to be back. It's I'm thinking maybe two weeks. Uh, that's like the the lull weekend between all of our craziness that we have in our individual schedules. <laughs> um, You're not, not kidding. Not sure what it's going to be yet. Uh, what we talk about, but um, maybe we'll just, do something for spooky season. Yes, maybe. Just keep an eye on your uh, your podcasting feeds, and um, and we'll be back this month. Yes. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are now available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there, search and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review because that always helps us connect with new listeners. So please, once again, join us whenever the next time is. And that's all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Mr. Fan.